Welcome on in to Empower Talks. This is the podcast where we talk about careers with people across the insurance industry. Welcome to this episode of Empower Talks and I'm delighted to have Hannah Melalu with us today who is an underwriting assistant within uh, Fine Art at HDI Global Specialty. Welcome Hannah. Oh hi thanks for having me. That's great we've we've had so many conversations about your career over probably what four three four years? I think it might even be longer yeah but yeah, probably four or five years even yes. Yeah brilliant and I think um, your your kind of journey that you've been through, and then not in the distance, um, distant past, is one that a lot of people uh, face when they come into the industry and they're trying to identify what that role is. And that's a journey of essentially coming into a job um, within insurance and then identifying that maybe you want to do something else, but you're not quite sure what that is and how you go about doing it. Um, and in your case in particular, you were at an organization that you you loved and you wanted to stay in. So you wanted that to do that internally. And I know that's something that a lot of people um, have relayed to me as a challenge and an opportunity for themselves as well. So you're going to be sharing your story on that today. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's so that's so true. I mean, it, it starts where you just sort of jump into something. For me, it was just jumping in. I'd moved to London. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um and I just needed a job. So I, I I ended up in insurance as most people sort of stumble into insurance and, and get stuck doing that. But actually, I realized it was more than just a boring sort of insurance role. It's all about people. And, you know, I'm I'm definitely into that aspect of it. And ultimately, I just found it kind of sadly interesting. <laughs> so, um yeah, I, and I really enjoyed the company that I worked for. I just thought being around these sorts of people, it was great and it was great fun. And um, yeah, and then after a few years, you kind of go, right, what what am I actually doing? What is my goal? What do I want to achieve? Where do I want to get to in my career? And you, you do kind of get stuck. And especially for someone like me who doesn't have anyone else who's been in the insurance industry, works in the insurance industry, lives like has lived in London you know like I don't have parents who've grown up in London I don't I don't have a massive friend network of Londoners us Kiwis sort of tend to find each other Kiwis and Aussies in London tend to find each other and and all sort of congregate together um so there's that cultural aspect of it that was a learning curve for me as well um but I think ultimately once you decide what that goal is you've just got to navigate how to get there and you know, I think a lot of it comes down to attitude, perseverance, and kind of aligning, aligning yourself um, with probably key people, and not necessarily like strategy-wise, but just key people in your in your organization that you can form relationships with and 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 sort of gain that mentorship from. Yeah, I think has ultimately helped me a lot as well. So. Well, you got to a point you'd identified your what as in the goal and your what was to move into underwriting. Yeah, exactly. Your challenge was the how. Um, and I think when we when we were first um, talking about this, you you weren't really sure essentially how to go about those steps. So do you want to talk through the kind of first, um, first kind of what that felt like to not really know know how to do it and then what the first steps were that you did take? Yeah, So so I guess... 
exactly. What I knew was I wanted to be in underwriting. I thought that was interesting. I thought that would be best suited for me and my personality. Um, and I think that I'd get the most sort of enjoyment out of a role like that. So as being in an operations-based role, sort of currently at that time, and you almost kind of get sort of trapped doing that, um, but you you kind of get a foundation of the business because it's sort of like back office, isn't it? So I had a really good solid foundation of um, all of the systems and, and all of the people in those different departments in operations. But then to think about how to get to that next step it was really right. What do I need to do to set myself apart and get the role that I want? Um, so I realized I needed to do, I wanted to do the CII. So get the cert done at least. And then also it was a case of sort of weighing up what do I want to, what, what line of business do I want to get into? I didn't just want to just be an underwriter of, of anything because I'd currently sort of been doing a bit of fronting work and it was, um, you know, offshore energy and renewables and engineering. And that's not particularly interesting for me personally. <laughs> I wanted to do something that I could kind of relate to a little bit more and to get a bit of um, fulfillment from in a professional sense. Um, so yeah, when the job came up for fine art, that was definitely something that I, really resonated with and I thought instantly I was like that I have to have that there's no other option that's what I'm going to get <laughs> and from that kind of point of knowing that's what you want to do and the, the job coming up you know the, the scenario for you is one that is one of the common challenges there was a delay <laughs> that took a bit of waiting how yeah. did you deal with the waiting yeah the waiting was hard because um you know, really, we're talking like five years that I was sort of waiting to do this. Um, um, and to be honest, I think that's where the perseverance comes in because it wasn't for lack of trying. I was always trying to gain sort of an expansion of my knowledge and what I could, what I could do to sort of get me to that next step. But at the same time in tandem, just making sure that I was creating really good relationships and connections with with people in my business and making them aware that, you know, oh, if you are ever looking for someone, like I, I really would be interested in getting into underwriting because no one's going to assume they know what you want to do. No one's going to come up to you and say, oh, Hannah, what do you think of this? Would you, would you want to do this? <laughs> no one's there. No one's there looking out for you. You've, you've got to go and do that yourself. So it's having those key conversations with key people as well, I think, which did help me. And I did get some advice from people um, as well on how to kind of align yourself there. Um, so yeah, the waiting was hard. The waiting was hard when you're kind of a proactive and, and hungry person that you want some change to happen. Um, but the the wait is worth it because when you finally find something that suits, that feels right um, and you can make it happen, then it's all worth it. So it's the um, circle of control, really, isn't it? The, the Stephen Covey approach of you can't do anything about when these roles are going to come up okay, and, and the internal processes and um, structures. Um, but what you can do is make sure people know that you're interested ahead of time, skill yourself up so when that comes up, um, you've, you've got what you need on the CV, um, and also show that kind of determination and 
um, uh, uh, and willingness to develop within your current role to show you can transfer that over. Yeah, exactly. And I think some of those things that you mentioned just there, I definitely picked up um, in one of our courses that you did with HDI, which was the impact, the outcome, which I did. I found so many takeaways from that, which were just really subtle things. But, you know, making sure that you do reach out to your what you would class as your mentors. I wouldn't have actually realized that they were mentors. I just think, oh, yeah, they're just they're just a pal. They're just a friend at work or whatever. But actually, they're your mentors. Um, so, yeah, I think that was really, really crucial for me. And then when the role did come up, um, you know, I knew, right, I need to make sure that I stand out and really put myself forward for this, which is more difficult when you're at home because we're all working from home. It would be great if I was in the office and I could kind of oh, stumble into stumble into the kitchen and say, oh, I've, I've seen that job come up. That's really great. That's really interesting. You can have some of those kind of casual conversations um, beforehand to kind of, you know, get your your name in that person's head um, and your face as well, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't have quite the same impact when you're just emailing someone. Um, but I did. I wrote a very sort of what I thought was um, thoughtful cover letter to go with my application, even though it's an internal role. Um, I think that's really important to do as well, because, you know, as someone who would be picking up these um, CVs and, and, and comparing candidates, you do kind of want something to make you stand out. And I know a cover letter isn't necessarily going to do that, but I think with the right kind of person who, who would appreciate that um, it worked. And it certainly, I think worked for, my boss, he really appreciated it and he thanked me for it um, in the interview. Excellent. And you mentioned doing your CII. Is it fair to describe you as a, a convert to CII? I think initially you were yeah. not necessarily sure it was something you were going to go into. Yes, I think I was just scared more than anything because it had been so long since I'd done any kind of study. Um, and you kind of, you know, life takes over and, and you feel busy and you feel, you know, particularly in my old role, I felt quite overwhelmed a lot of times because it was, it was quite an intensive role. Um, so I didn't know where it would fit. I just didn't think I had the capacity to be able to kind of cope with study on top of everything else. But then it was great because when I, when I got my new role, um, my manager that I would really like to do the CII, um, and he was fully, fully supportive of that, as is HDI. They are great. Um, and yeah, I think, again, it's sort of having, making sure that you have the time and that capacity to be able to do it, but also having empowered development to have those online classes um, is sort of like someone holding your hand along the way, which was really, really helpful for me, for me yeah personally it's been great and I and every exam that you do now and I you sort of gain that next step it's just you know you feel like you've achieved something and I just want to keep going so yeah you were one of our um first students as well on the online app uh, in our first kind of focus group of people where we were testing it out um oh, right. oh, cool. yeah <laughs> I think because I think at the point you were doing it we we had our pictures on all of the slides and things like that. And we were debating whether we should keep that in or make, switch to audio bits and so on. Um, so the feedback you gave at that point was actually really helpful for us in terms of working out what the learners 
know, values where, where the time was worth really putting it into. Yeah, definitely. No, I love them because I just find it it's so easy. Um, I mean, no, I won't say it's easy. I'll say it's so, um, it's just so useful, especially when you're working from home. If you've got a busy day, but actually you can take 20 minutes to, you know, quickly do a tutorial or something like that, just to kind of get your head back into it. And that's what I've sort of been doing. And it was just seemed a lot easier to fit it into my day. Um, so I just think they're great. <laughs> I'm a big advocate for it. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of learner do you think you are? Um, I think I'm I'm definitely an oral learner, as in I love listening to people. I, I think I, I learn a lot from listening and um, a visual person as well. So I think you've you've got these fantastic little animations in your tutorials of you know like case studies and um just sort of key logos that can pop up when there's like a key term that you need to remember and I think that that for me is is what seals it that it's not just you know reading a a a big giant textbook and taking notes down it's that visual aspect and having someone sort of read it to you it's like when you're watching like a Netflix documentary or something it's way more interesting than if you like read a script right so that's sort of what I'd compare it to and then um yeah I I just think it's been it's been great for me and you're um you're continuing to go all all the way through at the moment with your your CII um despite what's going to be a busy year for you shall we say yeah just a just a a minor few life changes um so for the yeah the <laughs> listeners benefit um as we as we're recording this uh, podcast Hannah is 34 weeks pregnant <laughs> <laughs> about to yeah yeah I'm needing a human-sized shoehorn to get anywhere out of bed off the couch moving off my chair yeah it's getting it's starting to get uncomfortable <laughs> so yes next qualification is motherhood um but actually before that I I really want to do got my mo5 um module to do which is the uh one of the compulsory modules for the diploma cii so that would be great to just get that off my shoulders i had a goal to do it by december that didn't happen i've done a lot of work over christmas and new year break because i wasn't out partying surprisingly i wasn't out boozing till 4am this year um so yeah I'm I'm that's hanging over me now I really want to get that that box ticked so I can focus on the next thing (laughs) so all these things are the things you did before securing that role what was it like when you finally transitioned into the role you've been waiting for for so long oh my god a breath of fresh air and just a sigh a massive sigh of relief that I had finally sort of got myself on a path that I could visualize where I was headed and that that was headed upwards <laughs> and sort of on a trajectory that was exciting to me. And um, I think also just being interested in the content of, of that role um, is a major, major factor for me. So yeah, just really, just really thrilled, really happy. And how have you gone about um, learning the, because um, fine art is the topic that some people just by hobby know quite a lot about, um, yeah. but for others, there's maybe some familiar names out there, but uh, but it's such a vast topic. So how do you go about kind of 
building that knowledge in addition alongside the underwriting knowledge yeah I think um like you say if you've if you've got a general um interest in the topic to begin with I think that that's been really beneficial for me you you know of certain names in the industry you know of certain like galleries and museums and those sorts of things um but you know really taking on as much as I can from my boss who has been in the industry for so long and has such amazing ties to to fine art as an industry um has been amazing and that's sort of another thing that I feel really grateful for that I get to learn from someone like him keep keeping my knowledge up um is just really crucial so yeah it's you're never going to know everything but you know, bit by bit, you get exposed um, to different aspects, and you learn from you learn from that. So yeah, it's really it's really interesting. So for people listening that might be in a similar scenario now that you were in a couple of years ago, what would be the the, the top pieces of advice you would give to them? Firstly, it's not the end of the world where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Just recognize that. Um, you can always make change. So think about think about your goal. Think about where you want to be and make sure that you are doing any step that you can take to get there. And if you think, right, to, you know, look at, look at the jobs going that you want um, in the market and see what the requirements are. See what, what they suggest are their sort of minimum criteria and how can you go about making sure that you have that and some? Um, and then I think particularly if it's an internal role, you know, connect with people, connect with people in your company, reach out to people, get their advice, have conversations, um, because connecting on that human level is really important, I think. Um, so I'd say, yeah, just sort of keep a good attitude, keep positive and and things will change. Excellent. Well, I'm so pleased they have. Um, and it's all all worked out for you. It's ended up being a very, very big year for you. So yeah, it's um, been great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing all of this uh, advice and um say this is such such a key topic that I think people um go through and often articulate to their friends, their peers, um, but don't often articulate upwards to their manager. Um until often at a point that they are frustrated uh, and at that point it's quite hard to articulate the topic so you know I, I would add to that anyone who's you know in a role and you're, you're looking at what the next role is and you are patiently slash impatiently waiting <laughs> for that to come along and um, then be transparent with your manager they managers aren't mind readers they, they need to know what's going on and um, managers also aren't often able to give time frames um, as much as that's what you often want you want to be told well it's six months and this will happen but managers can't do that because they don't know what's going to happen and um, but they can tell you what you need to do mm-hmm.